0: Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.
1: All right. Good morning, church. Great to see you all today and happy Thanksgiving. Welcome to all of you watching online And a special welcome to my dad, who is in attendance today. Brent Ling came down, big papa. Yeah, hey, that's good, that's good. My dad came to every one of my football games in high school. I remember he was always there, each and every one. So it's good good to have you here today, Dad. And he brought his friend, who is a a wonderful uh, cook, Pasquale, who is with us, and If you ever want to try the best tiramisu, Caesar salad, veal parmesan, chicken parmesan, he's got it. So, (laughs) great to have you guys with us. Uh, This is awesome. I'm so excited to be here. We are uh, continuing our series in uh, the matters of the heart. We're going through each of our values as a church here at Love City. Last week, we learned about the importance of God's Word, the Bible, God breathed. And it's active and living. It's not just a history book. Uh, But it's still as relevant today as it ever has been. And uh, now I'm continuing the series in uh, worship. So this is good. If you're here and you're wondering what we're all the weirdos doing with their hands up, uh, we're going to learn a bit more about why we actually do that as a response to uh, God's command in our lives. So it's going to be great. We're going to get into the Word. Uh, The first thing I want to, you know, address is is something that I think all of us at some time or another in our lives uh, struggle with. I know I have. Uh, and continue to sometimes throughout my life. Sometimes it's, you know, just days or, or weeks or, or sometimes full months and, and seasons that, you know, deep down inside of us, there's just this frustration. There's an, an emptiness and we're deprived of something that we just can't quite figure out. And a lot of times this can last for a long time. And even actually since uh, our birth, we're we're born into the world. We struggle to find out our identity and our purpose and why we're here and what the purpose of life is. C.S. Lewis, one of the great authors, said that, that God made us, invented us as a man invents an engine. A car is made to run on gasoline and it would not properly run on anything else. Now, God designed the human machine to run on himself. He himself is the fuel our spirits were designed to burn, or the food our spirits were designed to feed on. There is no other. God cannot give us a happiness and peace apart from himself, because it is not there. In the Bible, Colossians 1.16, it says, For by him all things were created, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Wow. Simply put, we were created to glorify our creator. Yes. We were created to worship God. Yeah. There's a, a unique satisfaction fulfillment that can only come from being in a life-giving relationship with the one who designed us to worship Him. Now, the cool thing about this is that God doesn't force Himself upon us. Never does He make us worship Him. It's an active choice that we make to respond to the love of God in our lives. See, if He, <laughs> if he designed us to just be forced to worship Him, then that wouldn't actually be love. You know, He didn't want you know to create a bunch of robots and, and have us just forced to be worshipped. There's a little ringing there, so you know, the guys are great at fixing that for me. Now, for thousands of years, people worshipped other gods. You know, from the dawn of time, we worshipped the, the sun god or the moon god or the god of the skies or the god of the water and all these different gods uh, in, in history. And... The Bible says that we actually ended up going astray a little bit, and we started worshiping things God made instead of the God who created them. You think, wow, this is such a beautiful world, and the universe is so vast, and, well, maybe we worship the energy of the universe. Well, what about the God who created the universe that is actually greater than the universe itself? Just, just a thought. Now, this is still true today, I believe, in our lives, where we can worship other gods, maybe not the sun god or the moon god, but we can worship fame or fortune or sex or money or security or food. All these different gods can come into our lives and try and take the number one spot if we let them. Paul Getty, one of the richest oil billionaire tycoons in the 50s and 60s, was asked one time by a reporter as Paul Getty continued to accumulate throughout his life and was known for being maybe a little bit stingy. He was asked, how much is going to be enough for you to have that ultimate security? And his answer to the reporter was simply, more. How much is enough? More. You see, we're ultimately never satisfied by the things of this world or we are for a short time, for a little while. But then the high fades. The bottle goes empty and dry. The social media followers go away. The money and the extra just doesn't do it anymore. And we're left wanting, needing something else. The Bible says in 1 John, to not love this world, nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from the world. Jesus said in Matthew, No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and be enslaved to money. Uh, It's kind of a a neat thought. The word money is represented in the Greek as um, the word mammon. And it simply means the, the spirit attached to money. So it's not money itself that's bad, but there's a spirit. It says in the Bible that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil, When we allow money itself and security to become a God in our lives, we can't both serve God and serve this, what is ultimately a false sense of security in our lives, the spirit attached to money. Very easily, these other things, these other gods can take the number one spot in our lives as we just go on throughout our daily uh, routine and forget sometimes about what God is doing in our lives. In John 6, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. See, our innermost desires, deep within the very core of our hearts, the, the very essence of living, can only be fully satisfied by a relationship with Jesus Christ by knowing the author and finisher, the Alpha and the Omega, God, yes. without a relationship with him, we will consistently and constantly look for other things to fill that, go- that void because we were designed to worship him. Amen. Jesus said, seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Seek God, and he will give you everything you need. The key for us is that we need to get God back into the center of our lives. Wherever you're at today, maybe you've served God for a long time, or you've never said, yeah, I want to follow Jesus. I don't know all the answers, but I want to take a step of faith. Wherever you're at, God wants us to connect with him through worship that's when we feel the peace that the Bible talks about yeah. that passes all understanding. Yeah. When even when we don't fully understand everything, and how could we? We're not meant to understand everything with human knowledge. When We understand in our spirit that God saved us and he loves us. And when we worship him, when we glorify him as he's called us to do in his word, that's when we feel the peace and the joy that comes alone from Jesus. The next slide we're going to bring up, and we can read together, if you guys can help me this, we'll all say it together. It says, we don't give God praise based on our preferences, personality type, or current mood. We give God praise based on who He is and in the way that He has designed and instructed in His Word. The key part here is that God, thankfully, has given us an instruction manual So everything that we do as a church, everything that um, Love City Church does is based on what's in the Bible. If it's in the Bible, we believe it. We're not going to do it if it's not rooted in God's word to us. Now, throughout the scriptures, you'll see the word praise mentioned well over 300 times. So again, it's the idea that praise is this way that we glorify God. We worship our Creator as we were designed to do. And every time that we read the word praise in the English translation, it represents one of seven different Hebrew words in which were originally written in the Scriptures. So when you're reading through the Bible, you're going to read all these different words for praise. And there are different instances where it means a different word. Now, for instance, there are a few words that I'll just maybe touch on to give you a, an idea of what this means. When praise is mentioned, there's a word called barak. You say barak. 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 Okay, we're not going to get political. It's just, it's, it's in the Bible, okay? It means to kneel down, to bless God as an act of adoration or a salute. Another word is shabak. Shabak, that's a fun one to say. Go ahead and just yell it out. Shabak. You're shabak right there. You're shouting. You're addressing in a loud tone to command or triumph. And then another one is uh, Samar. This is one of my favorites uh, in the Bible before uh, David was king. He used to play. He was summoned uh, to play for King Saul, who at the time had uh, an evil spirit on him. And the Bible says that uh, King David, or David at the time, would Come and he would play the harp, and he would touch the strings of the harp. And as he played, as he uh, had Zamar praise to the Lord, that the evil spirit would have to flee King Saul, and that relief would come when the strings of the instrument were played. And our our minstrel here, James, is going to give us an example of Zamar praise. word we're going to go through is called halal. It means to rave, to celebrate, to be clamorously foolish before God. This is the kind of praise. In Psalm 113, it says that we praise or halal the Lord. Halal the Lord, you his servants. Praise the name of the Lord. Let the name of the Lord be praised both now and forevermore from the rising of the sun to the place where it sets the name of the Lord is to be praised. So you're starting to see the correlation here that this is rooted in God's word, these different words for praise, so that we um, live this out, not just here in our gatherings. This starts as a connection point in our lives when we realize our need for God. We say yes to the call uh, of our uh, God in our lives, and we start living these words out. So that we're acting foolishly in front of God. It means caring less about what your neighbor thinks about your worship than what God thinks about your worship. For instance, this may surprise you, but I'm actually not a great dancer. And I blame my father. <laughs> I should see, him. see him go. But when I start singing and I listen to the James' worship and I'm thinking about what God's done in my life and what he's going to do in my family's life, I start moving and I'm shaking my hips a little bit because I'm excited about what God's up to. So I'm halaling because I don't care what you think about my worship. I care more about what God thinks of my worship than what my neighbor does. This is a huge barrier for most of us. It's not an easy thing to do. Um, There is a story in the Bible where King David, when he became king, he went and he got the presence, the the Ark of the Covenant, the the very manifest presence of God, and he brought it back to Jerusalem. And as he brought it into the city, he danced with all his might before the Lord. Now, this is not very um, astute behavior for a king. They were supposed to, you know, never run. They were always very proper and prim and put together. But David just didn't care. He was halal to the Lord. He was praising Him without worrying about what others thought. This is where his wife comes in, so you know it's going to get a little bit dicey here. (laughs) We'll pick it up in 2 Samuel after he's dancing. And it says, When David returned home to bless his own family, Michael, the daughter of Saul, David's wife, came out to meet him. She said in disgust, How distinguished the king of Israel looked today shamelessly exposing himself to the servant girls like any vulgar person might do. David retorted to Michael, I was dancing before the Lord who chose me above your father and all his family. He appointed me as the leader of Israel, the people of the Lord. So yes, I celebrate before the Lord and I'm willing to look even more foolish than this, even to be more undignified and humiliated in my own eyes. When I was preparing for this message and reading this scripture, I was reminded and I asked myself, am I willing to look foolish? Am I willing to be humiliated in my own eyes throughout my daily routine when I'm worshiping God? I think it's cool in this story, David's bringing back the presence of God to the people, to his family, and there's there's immense blessing and he's dancing and raving and I just think it's cool because sometimes you see somebody maybe whether it's at a gathering or, or just out in public and you think oh they're kind of doing something a little bit strange there they're they're dancing before the Lord and you never know what that person might been through we've heard some uh, awesome stories testimonies through this prayer and fasting season where addictions have been broken off yeah. and so if you see Shelly up here dancing maybe not on the stage but if you want to you can we'll work that out Shelly. but the reason she is is because she's celebrating the very presence of God that has come back into her life and has camped out on her praise. So she's not going to care. We're not going to care what you think about the praise because it's for God. It's between Him and you. Another word for uh, praise in the Bible is yada. Can you say yada? It means to worship with extended hands, to throw out the hand and lift the hands to confess the name of the Lord. This is a decision that we make in surrender to him, even when you don't feel like it. Psalm 118 says, I will praise, or yada you, for you have answered me and have become my salvation. Another word that's similar to this, um, but used a bit more specifically in the text, is tauda. Say tauda. That's pretty good. It means the extension of hand and praise, usually in giving thanks, but to make a sacrifice of praise. Simply put, it means praising God, thanking him for what he's done, but also by an act of faith, thanking him for what he's going to do. So I am right now, I am to dine. Thank you, God, for what you're going to do. Now, maybe you said, well, I'm just not a hand raiser. It's just not my style of worship. Well, as we read earlier, it's not about our preference in how to worship, and we don't wait till we feel it to worship God. He doesn't do this to make a fool of us. He doesn't make us do it to feel silly. He commands us to do it because he doesn't want you to miss out on the spiritual blessing that takes place when you stop caring about what others think, when you lift your hand uncertain about what's happening. God, I don't know what this financial situation is right now. I don't know what's going to happen with my family or my friends or my job. Everything around me is falling down, but God, I'm just going to lift my song to you. I'm going to thank you in advance by faith for what you're going to do in my life, Lord Jesus. Psalm 22.3 says, Yet you are holy, enthroned on the tehillah, on the praises of Israel. When our tehillah praise goes up, God's presence comes down. So we're not just singing to make noise and just sing along to the song. This is a spontaneous song from our heart to God connecting in worship. The word enthroned means to sit, to rest upon. What's interesting is the idea that when we give God our tehillah praise, he is enthroned on those praises. What you don't hear about too often is two kings being on the throne at the same time. So that means that whatever situation you're going through, when you raise a tehillah to God... He is on the throne. That means every other thing has to bend a knee and depart from the throne when we recenter and get God back in the rightful place as the author and the king of our lives. You, sir, in the middle behind the camera, could you come and join me on stage for a quick moment, please? Can we all give this handsome fella who I believe is single, is that, am I fair to, uh, have you been snatched up yet? Curtis, would you, the Lord has need of you, could you join me on stage? Curtis doesn't know um, what's going to happen, yeah, that's uh, you're the next contestant, now. Do you know much about Aid appliances? How much do you think this blender costs? No. Do you have any idea about the blender? No, that's fine, don't worry about that. So Curtis doesn't know this is going to happen. Uh, Everybody here, could we just close our eyes and invite Curtis to do the same? And I want Curtis, because he's bold and he's brave and he loves the Lord, to give us an example of a Tehillah praise. Where Curtis, you're just going to think about for a minute what God's doing, what he's done in your life, how he's changed you from the inside out, deep within your spirit. It's been renewed and made new. And you're just going to give us an example of that new song that God's put in your heart, all right? Everybody with your eyes.
0: God, I just thank you. I thank you so much. Father God, I thank you for my family and my friends. I thank you for all the experiences that you've given me over the last few months. I thank you for the 21 days of fasting where you've worked on things in my lives that I hid from everyone around me. And I thank you, oh God, for these opportunities. Father God, I thank you for all the moments that have led to me right here, right now with all these people in this room, that you are here I glorify your name, O God. I praise you, O God. In the name of Jesus, I thank you, God. 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 I thank you for all the works you've done in people's lives in this place, O God. I thank you, O God. And I worship you, and I praise your name, O God.
1: That's the voice of Tehillah. We just sing it out. Lord, we thank you for what you've done in our lives, God. We thank you for this season, Father. We lift up your name. You are enthroned on the Tehillah, on the praises of your people, God. You rest upon us, Lord Jesus. We invite you into this place to camp out, God. Dwell with us, Lord, as you're enthroned. Holy is your name. We worship you, God. You are so wonderful, God. We give you all the praise and the honor, God. Holy is Praise God. Thanks, Curtis. That was great. We're still going to send you home with a blender today, so make sure you get that KitchenAid on the way out. You see the atmosphere shift. You see how something changes, because we just experienced the presence of God. When we lift up a song to Him, a spontaneous song connecting to God, He has made us a promise that He is going to meet us here The story in the Bible in 2 Chronicles where the people of Judah, the people of praise, the people of God were about to be attacked. There was a vast army that was going to attack them. It was as numerous as the sands on the seashore. And the people of God, the people of praise, the people of Judah... The men, women, and children were going to be slaughtered. They were going to be killed, and they would be no more. This vast army joined together and declared war on these people. There were three different armies that joined together. Messengers were sent to the king of Judah, the king of praise, King Jehoshaphat. When he heard that this war was coming, He realized that they were doomed. They were in for it. They were done. Second Chronicles says that King Jehoshaphat cried out to the Lord and said, oh, our God, won't you stop them? We are powerless against this mighty army that is about to attack us. We do not know what to do, but we are looking to you for help. Something that I found really interesting about that is his response in the midst of facing this battle, in the midst of the bad report, he responded saying, God, I don't know what to do, (laughs) but because I serve a God who's bigger than any situation that I'll ever go through, I don't know what to do, but I'm looking to you for help. (laughs) Let me ask you a question. Is there an army that's attacking you right now? Have you gotten a report? And is your first thought in response to seek God and to ask him for help? And if it's not, that's okay. But let me encourage you and remind you that at any point in your life, God is always there. You know the story of the prodigal son, where the father um, gave his inheritance to his son because he wanted it. He didn't want to wait for him to die. And he spent it all and gambled it all away. And he realized after he was left with nothing, depraved and empty, that even the pigs ate better at his father's house than what he was eating because he blew all his money. What's neat about this is that the, the, the son came to his senses. He realized what was happening. And he went back to his father's house to see that he, if he, he could be a, a servant under his father's uh, table. And the cool thing is, and this is a picture of what God does in your life, and my life, is that not only was the son running towards the father, but at the moment the father saw his son running back to him, the father ran towards him. Which, similar to the, the word halal, means to do it in, in an undignified way. It wasn't you know proper for these men to run. But God is always there, and he won't just wait for you to come back and say, Told you so. What were you thinking? Didn't I tell you? Give you a little you know, smack. No, he runs towards you. Yeah, he says, I'm so glad you're yeah. back. Yeah. Let's party. Let's celebrate. You're back in my presence. Yeah, and he's true. so excited. We'll continue on in the story. It says, As all the men of Judah, the men of praise, stood before the Lord with their little ones, wives, and children, the Spirit of the Lord came upon one of the men standing there. He said this, Listen, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Listen, King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says. Do not be afraid. Don't be discouraged by this mighty army. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march out against them, but you will not even need to fight. Take your positions, then stand still and watch the Lord's victory. He is with you, O people of Judah and Jerusalem. Do not be afraid or discouraged. Go out against them tomorrow, for the Lord is with you. Key takeaway, the battle isn't just yours. It's the Lord's. And he says in this that you won't even need to fight But what's interesting is that he still has them prepare for the battle. They still have to show up to the fight. It says, Then King Jehoshaphat bowed low with his face to the ground, and all the people of Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping the Lord. Then the Levites from the clans of Kohath and Korah stood to halal the Lord, the God of Israel, with a very loud shout. Early the next morning, the army of Judah went into the wilderness of Tekoa, On the way, Jehoshaphat stopped and said, listen to me, all you people of Judah and Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God and you will be able to stand firm. Believe in the prophets and you will succeed. After consulting the people, the king appointed singers to walk ahead of the army, singing Tehillah to the Lord and praising him, Halal, for his holy splendor. This is what they sang. Give thanks, give praise, a yada to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. So just a little recap, maybe I have to pause right there, because right now we've got a huge army about to attack us, kill all of us, wipe us out as a nation. And a Spirit of the Lord comes on one of the dudes He tells us to not be afraid, to be encouraged. We're not even going to have to fight. God's going to fight for you. The king's like, yeah, go ahead. Like, you guys are going to be great. You're going to do awesome. Don't be afraid. Uh, So we've got the guys with the spears, the swords, machetes, the singers. What? The singers. Let's get the singers. Why don't you guys, you guys go first. You lead the army into the battle where we're about to be destroyed. So they went out with a yadah. They're singing, give thanks to the Lord. His faithful love endures forever. Sing, praise, sing, praise. Uh They're singing to God. They're raising up a yadah. Not worried about what their soldier neighbor thinks, but they're acting clamorously foolish before God with their hands raised. Now, if any of you have seen Braveheart, you should know this. This is important information that generally when you see a, a bunch of hands raised in the army, what does it mean? Surrender. Very good. Do we have another blender for them? We're gonna try and get you to blender before the, before the day's out. That's right, surrender. But here's the cool thing: they weren't surrendering the battle to the enemy. They were surrendering the situation, the circumstance, the battle, the outcome. They were surrendering it to the Lord, to the God that they serve. So what was the result? What was the result when Curtis gave a Tehillah song, a song of thanksgiving to the Lord? God was enthroned. God's enthroned on those praises. The story continues. At the very moment, at the very moment they began to sing and give praise, the Lord caused the armies of Ammon Moab and Mount Seir to start fighting among themselves these the armies of Moab and Ammon turned against their allies from Mount Seir and killed every one of them after they had destroyed the army of Seir they began attacking each other so when the army of Judah the army of praise God's people arrived at the lookout point in the wilderness All they saw were dead bodies lying on the ground as far as they could see. Not a single one of the enemy had escaped. Here's a thought. When you yada, when you praise God, when we worship him in the spiritual realm, all of our enemies are cause to fight against each other isn't amazing how god works it's not just that we defeat the enemies god does it god does it by confusing them and causing them to fight against each other and the enemy that we're facing because it's god's battle is annihilated god routes our enemies and he causes breakthrough in our lives and here's my favorite part in the next verse So Jehoshaphat's kingdom was at peace. For his God had given him rest on every side. That idea in the original text is encompasses, or it's a circular circular thought. It's all around. So when we give God praise, he gives us rest from the enemy on every side. He encamps around us. A few years ago uh, when the church was originally founded and we we're still meeting at Pastor Ryan and Pastor Stephanie's house, I had kind of been around church for most of my life and uh, I chose um, to kind of go my own way but still wanted to keep a distance. I, I was guess uh, as the phrase goes, I was a Christian that needed to be saved. I didn't have a life-giving, real fruitful relationship with God. I didn't read my Bible, but I would call myself Christian. I, was, I thought, eh, for the most part, a good person. And I remember at one of our worship nights at the Iverson's house in their little bungalow, there was maybe eight or nine of us, and James was doing the Samar praises, like he's so faithfully done for these few years. And I made a choice that night as we sang in worship, the smell of, you know, old coffee that Ryan thinks is really good but loves his coffee and I just remember being stuck in this in this place in my life where you know I had some stuff I had a few things I I had a good job and wife and kids and career I mean like things were like looking okay I I should be happy right but I was actually the most empty I've ever been in my life I was serving other gods in my life, I was addicted to alcohol. I filled my life with distractions so I wouldn't have to consider the depravity of my life that I was facing. And in this moment, there was a milestone, a marker, a pivot in my life. I remember as James plucked away on the strings of the guitar and. Bassie prayed behind me and was singing, and Pastor Ryan and Stephanie were lifting up their hands to God. I made a choice in that that place to take my hands out of my pocket, and I just raised my hands about this high. It wasn't anything crazy in Pentecostal or anything, it was just about here. (laughs) And I started to sing. Started to sing a song to God. Say, I love you, Lord. God, I need you, Lord. I recognize you're the King of Kings. I just started to give God praise. My hands lifted. I stopped caring about what other people thought of my worship. And I connected in that moment to the living God. When I did that, at the moment I did that, I had peace in my life. I remember feeling, for about 30 to 40 seconds, I just couldn't move. And guess what? I didn't even want to. God, in the midst of my garbage, in the midst of my mess, in the midst of the bad decisions and the selfish desires, filling in with other things, when I gave God praise, He lavished His love upon me, and all I could do was just wait in the presence of the Lord. As I stood in awe, the Bible talks about fear of the Lord. And it's not like we're afraid, you know, he's gonna spank us. It's it's to stand in awe of the Lord. And in that moment, as I lifted my song, I stood in awe of the reality of God, that he cared for me, that he had a plan for me, that it was not to harm me, but that it was for good, But guess what? It also requires a little bit of pruning, right, to grow. So he started pruning areas of my life. Through a prayer and fasting season, I gave up alcohol. I haven't had a drink in three years. Come on. Give me a hallelujah. Thank you. Okay, okay. Do
0: we have one more blender left? Uh, I'm going to
1: take that third (laughs) one home. You see, there's something that God doesn't want us to miss. This isn't just something we do in a gathering at church. This is to bring the presence of God throughout our daily lives. It's not just for a gathering, but it pours out into this place. It pours out as we live our lives honestly before the Lord. That's why we value at Love City Church presence-driven, spirit-led worship of King Jesus. We need to get God back into the center of our lives, to experience the ultimate fulfillment of God in our lives. And when we do, we have peace, love, joy, self-control, all the fruits of the Spirit. You can stand to your feet, church. We're going to sing one more song. Thank you for your time today. Wherever you're at right now, uh, maybe you've served God for a long time and you're on the mountaintop or maybe you're far from God and you, you know, maybe have went astray and you're thinking, maybe maybe that's me, maybe I have let these other things become the center of my life. Let's just take a moment and sing this song, it's called To Raise a Hallelujah, which we learned today, very good class. So we're gonna raise a hallelujah together as a church. Wherever you're at, maybe you're far from God, it's your first time at church, wherever God meets us exactly where we are and he personalizes this time, this moment, Today for each and every one of us. So can I encourage you, if you've never raised your hand in church, just do it. Not because I want to see how many hands raised we have, because God is gonna meet you when you raise your hand in worship, when you sing a tehillah to the Lord and say, God, I don't know where I'm gonna go, but I just know I need you, Lord. I need you in my life, Lord. I the house, Lord. We're gonna raise the hallelujah. We're going to go out singing in front of that army. Maybe you've gotten the bad report. We're going to to enter the presence of the Lord together as a church. Let's not care what our neighbor thinks. We're going to raise our hand in worship. Because this battle is not yours. It is the Lord's. And he will scatter our enemies. So come on, church. Let's raise the hallelujah. Let's lift up the name of King Jesus.
0: Thank you, Lord. Come on. He inhabits the praises of his people. Come on, this is something that's so powerful for your life today. Come on, I don't know how you grew up. I don't know if you're new to church or you, did, you grew up in a church that maybe wasn't very expressive in worship or, or maybe it's been a long time since you've done this. But what we talked about today will bring absolute life change to your life. That when you don't know where to turn or what to do, the Bible teaches us that if we praise God, His presence comes down. It's an invitation to the Lord. It lays down our pride. We lift our hands with a with a, with a da or a yada to say, God, I confess that I need you or I confess that I'm thankful. And we lift that to heal it to God. i want to make you a promise, young people to old people in the room. You want to experience the presence of the living God in your situation, in your life. It's as simple as lifting your hands and lifting your voices to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And you watch what happens. When your praise goes up, His presence comes down into your life. Come on, I just want to pray for you today, and I just want to give anyone the opportunity today that wants to give their lives to Jesus. Come on, we serve a God that He is with us in our time of need. We serve a God that is faithful and just in our lives. He's faithful when we don't realize that He's faithful. When our lives feel like we're disconnected or far from Him, He is present with one request. Say, God, I need you, and He's there in a moment. Come on, every eye closed for a moment today today just want to give their lives to Jesus Christ today. We'll start a journey with Him. That's you today. And you want to say, you know what, I want to know Jesus today. Come on, amen. Father, we just want to say thank you. Thank you, Lord, that we can boldly come to the throne of grace. And Lord, you will help us in our time of need. We thank you, Father, that your presence in our life is as simple as one voice, one request. God, I need you. So, Father, we just thank you for the word that Andrew brought us today. I pray that it bring freedom. I, think, I pray that it bring, uh, Lord, a new uh, celebration in their lives, uh, a new freedom in their life, God, a new breakthrough in their life, God. I pray for any giant, any battle, any war, any difficulty that we are facing today. We declare, God, that you are with us and our ever-present help in time of need. And God, you come through always faithful, always with us, always the same, yesterday, today, and forever. We love you with all of our hearts today in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Come on, everybody said. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you
1: and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.